Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. Hola, señorita, señores. That's my best Spanish. That's all I got, man. I mean, now we can say we are uh, we're bilingual podcast. I'm gonna mark that. Yeah, little, I'm gonna mark that checkbox in the podcast. Yeah, so, we're, tele, uh, Telemundo is gonna be uh, <laughs> telecasting our Telemundo, po- I mean, podcast from now on. I, and you're a little bit late though, too, because it's not. We're well past Cinco de Mayo, so I don't. Yeah, but that's what that's what that's what inspired me to start taking Spanish. Oh, okay. You know, and by mm-hmm. taking Spanish, I mean I have not taken a Spanish course since I was a sophomore in high school. So. Um, <laughs> What what's going on, everybody? Welcome back inside Two Guys One Shaker Cup podcast. Interesting topic this week, and one that's actually a little real for me personally, but also um, I think for a lot of people out there in terms of everybody listening to this podcast or watching this podcast. I guarantee that they've probably seen an episode of Shark Tank. I mean, it's it is fun to watch. It is cool. It is it's, it's cool to see the pitches. It is cool to see um, the panel argue back and forth, and ultimately, it's kind of cool to see. Um, an entrepreneur get a shark or get a, an investment. Like that's what people think of when they think investors. They always think Shark Tank. I mean, the amount of people that have told me in the last five weeks that we should go on Shark Tank, I can't even tell you. It has been a ton because that is ultimately like where their mind goes. Like, yeah. not you should find a private equity, a private investor, or, or uh, you know, um, any type of corporation to invest in you. But it's, it's Shark Tank, Shark Tank, Shark Tank. So let's start with that, Josh. Which shark would you want to invest in J Shaw Consulting? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, because I'm thinking like a lot of those guys, um, I guess like maybe Robert Hirschbeck, because I think he does like an actual um, security for, I think he does a little bit more of like professional um, stuff. Um, a lot of those, like a lot of them do consumer. Like I don't, I don't personally myself sell a consumer product. So my answer is going to be much different than, right. than yours. I mean, if they're going to invest in a uh, services company, uh, I'm assuming that they I'm going to want to have somebody that at least has some professional services mm-hmm. background in in some capacity. So I'm trying to think about like all all of the uh, people that were even um, on the show. I guess maybe if it was like, you know, one of the um, who did I say the one I forget who I had one time. I, I think I, I mentioned somebody's name once. Um why is it drawing a blank? But I'm thinking like if it was somebody that did work with a lot of like consumer packaged goods, like that would just be good to have the name attached to my the, consulting company to give me Coke like Pepsi? connections, the connections. I mean, that'd be good. But other than that, like for them to actually give me like some nuts and bolts, actually strategic, um, you know, things around my business, I, those, those people are not usually the, the ones that I would pick, I guess. Right. <laughs> that's just, that's just mine. But I personally love the show. I mean, it's one of those shows that I've enjoyed for, I don't know how, how long it's been on the thing. I, I remember watching it the first, first season and thinking, ah, oh, this is great. This is a TV show that I can actually mm-hmm. wrap my head around because this is, this is my world. Um, but now it's become a very interesting spectacle of, of storytelling and, and things like that, which I totally appreciate because I think that brings people into the world of, of, uh, of finance and, and business entrepreneurship because it is a uh, thing that I think a lot of people dream of um, yeah. I, in one capacity or another. And I think that there's a level of, of creating a business that is, um, you know, you're just starting it and enjoying it. And it's a lifestyle business that you get to do something, make a little extra money. And it's great. But then there's that next step of like actually being able to create a business that's investable, um, which is usually – uh, Shark Tank companies, which I don't know if a lot of them actually are investable companies. I think a lot of them are, are super early, but that's probably something we'll talk about in this uh, episode. But, but I I like it. I, I, I haven't probably watched it in the last maybe year, year and a half. But um, when I do get to catch it every once in a while, if I'm on a plane or something, it's, it's streaming. I, I definitely love it still. Yeah. I mean, for you, it would probably be Lori, right? Like she, uh, 
She owns QVC. I mean, I mean that she well, she'd be pretty good for you. And she she, gets, she pitch she pitches some stuff. I mean, yeah. She's I mean a lot of them. They all have really good strengths. I mean, I I think that they all have really unique things. I always find it interesting their backgrounds and then the the types of businesses that they uh, they invest in. A lot of times don't match up, mm -hmm. uh, but they do have teams. They have like oh yeah, you know, it's not just them. And which I like it's important too. Like a lot of times when deals are struck on TV, like the deals never get signed on paper because they open the books and realize that they were bullshit yeah. or whatever i mean it'd be interesting to see how many of the deals that were agreed upon on tv actually come to fruition behind the scenes because i don't think that you know that i keep hearing all this dollar amounts and like four hundred thousand dollars for this and a million for this it's like how i mean their pockets are deep i get it yeah but like i mean how many of those actually are real deals anyway um so the, the topic of conversation is like when when do you take out an investor should you take out an investor is an investor a good idea and, and, and if so like you know obviously josh alluded to a lot of the companies that go on shark tank are just like in a Kickstarter campaign or they just come right off of something where they just launched or maybe they've been in business six months or maybe they've been in business two years but really haven't been full-time on that business and just kind of like casually did it as a hobby. So it's super interesting because I think, um, you know, from your personal experience working with brands, um, you've probably uncovered that a lot of times there's a money backer behind the scenes or, or somebody that's, you know, putting cash flow into the business that either a is hands-on or maybe not hands-on um you know I, I i think of you know a business that i work with um on the supplement side like they have the guy who's the face of the business that everybody thinks owns 100 percent of the company but there is a whole table of investors behind the scene that he has to run everything by and that makes things super difficult because the more people you have involved in the process the more red tape there is and the more obviously headache it can be so um let's start with 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 what is or when is a time in which a brand should consider bringing on an investor? Uh, it's definitely a loaded question because I think it has a lot to do. There's no, I guess the first thing is there's no right answer. Right. There's no like, you know, this is the, the only answer. Um, I think it has a lot to do with um, the aspiration of the business. Like mm -hmm. what type of business are they building? Like if you were to tell me that um, you're launching Uber, um, I would say you're you need money right off the bat and you need a ton of capital way ahead of what you're going to get for revenue because you're needing to build scale into a system that eventually pays off in the long run. So you, you're going to lose money from a long period of time. Now, if you're telling me you're running a, uh, you know, a nut butter business, then I'm going to say, you know, you need to prove to me that you um, can sell a product. Um, and usually at that point, like I always I always think to myself and this isn't like. This isn't like a rule of thumb for everybody, but I always think like if you had limited distribution, so think more in the sense of like a, um, what's, what's the thing? It's like, you know, think like inch wide, mile, mile deep, like, you know, not tons of distribution points, not like barely turning product, but if you can turn a, a million or two of product in a limited distribution sense, you have a brand mm -hmm. outside of that. You, you, it's not really all that investable because you need to be able to like as an investor, if I'm investing in you, I need to be able to throw gasoline on a fire and that become a bonfire and I'm going to make a return on it. I'm not investing in you to, to do an annuity. I don't want six or 7% year over year. I have a ton of different investment vehicles that I can put money in that has low risk. I'm not going to put it in a high risk business to get me six or 7%. I want, you know, five, six, 700% return in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, there's an established like baseline that you have to create. And I think bringing back to the point of, of Shark Tank, a lot of those businesses are way too early. Like for me, like you sell a quarter of a million dollars worth of stuff. Like you could do that with your eyes closed. That doesn't really prove anything. Like you need to be able to 
prove that you can build that business to a certain state. And then there's reorders. There is, you know, iterations to that business. Like what happens when you, um, you know, change up packaging or change, like, are, are people still sticking with you or was there some gimmick to that that you didn't miss? So like seeing that, it, like that actual progression, I think proves to an investor, okay, this is somebody worth something to me. And a lot of people get way too early. They're always looking in, and I, this is kind of a hot button for me in Austin is that a lot of the yeah. culture here in Austin is very much like um, San Francisco, very much Silicon Valley, very much, when do I raise my next capital? How do I get my next investor? How do I do this? But they don't ever think about actually selling and creating sales velocity and distribution points and, and doing these things that are like, and maybe it's because I think through the terms of like consumer packaged goods, a physical good, you have to sell a physical good. That's a little bit different than selling, you know, software or something like that. But I think for me, even meeting a lot of the small companies here in Austin that are consumer packaged goods companies, they tend to think way too early on investors, which I tend to think is, is not good. I, I mean, I, I see the, the allure from the owner perspective because you don't want to put all your uh, chips on the line. But as an investor, how do you get behind something that you don't really know is going to prove out to be anything. I just think it's, um, it, it's a bad mentality. I think that's in America right now with just entrepreneurship. Everybody's looking to, um, speed up a process where you need to build this foundation that is really strong. If you don't build that foundation, that's really strong. It doesn't matter what kind of money you get put into the business. It's not going to work out. Yeah. And I think too, on that point, like there are, so you have <clears throat> businesses that ask for an investor too early and then you have investors who invest too early. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, what on that? And then within the investor, like there are certain, certain types of investor personalities. Like, is that investor just there for cash? Are they yeah. going to participate? Are they going to be hands-on? Are they going to be involved in decision-making? So, um, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to, you have to ask a lot of questions of yourself, of your business. And if you're at the point where you say, yeah, I'm comfortable bringing on an investor, then you need to start asking hard questions to them too, because even though you're the one asking for money, you need to make sure that just because they have the money doesn't mean they're a good fit. Like, don't be desperate and just take the first check you can get because you need cash flow. I mean, that investor should bring something to the business other than cash, I think. I think, in my personal opinion, and maybe this is like my Shark Tank thinking, like, it's like, okay, I'm going to pay a premium for Mark Cuban because he has XYZ connections, right? Um, so if I'm going to or I'm going to accept, you know, I'm going to premium in terms of equity. So it's like if you're literally just looking for cash, then go get a fucking loan. Like go get a loan and pay your interest on it. Um, but it, I think truly if you need an investor, I would think, and Josh, you might have a different point of view on this. It's like you should seek more than just cash flow. You should be seeking some area of expertise, some type of skill set that they have that you lack or that you need help with. Um, you know, for, for a lot of people, especially Shark Tank, like that's kind of what you see is like, all right, they go with Damon John because he's got connections in the, in the fashion industry, in the apparel industry. Like it makes sense that he can bring that level of expertise. But if you're just going to, you know, an investment firm and just asking for a paycheck, I think, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. They usually, I mean, the, the steps or the, I guess the, the journey of, of investor, um, looking for investors, usually like your first step is what they call like friends and family round, mm -hmm. which, um, it tends not to be really friends and family unless you have rich friends and family. Um, right. it's usually people that, you know, from, you know, maybe you have a connection, you know, for you, maybe it's, uh, you know, an upper level uh, leader at general mills or something that, you know, has some extra 25 K or something. You can find 10 other people that have 25 K, you know, you get a little bit of money in there and it's basically just to get you to that next, uh, plateau, that next break even point to see if it works next. And then at that point, then you're going out there and you're looking at your, 
you know, your series A or, or your seed round or, or whatever people want to consider it. And basically at that point, you're like, okay, what, what am I looking for? I think, and you kind of brought up some of those points. You asked those questions like, do you want a strategic investor? Is that strategic investor somebody that has some capabilities maybe inside of the business, like knows how to scale a business, knows like has the X's and O's business side? Or maybe it's somebody like that has all the connections from the sales perspective, like used to be an ex executive at Target or right. Walmart. And you're like, hey, this person could probably shuttle me in there. Or it's somebody like um, an influencer, you know, somebody that has like millions of followers that is right in your wheelhouse that can give you uh, probably a bunch of sales and, and influence and, and attraction to your business. It's like, those are like the things you start to like think, what do I need as an entrepreneur to uh, make sure that I'm doing what I need to do like through that. And it's like, you have to answer those questions. Like, what do you need? And I know we talked about another one that's a little bit different, I think, than like a money capital thing, but there's also an element of like human capital. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about this before. Like sometimes you find a, like a partner um, in your business, like say you're really good at one thing, you find somebody else that's really good at the other side of things and you give them some equity, um, that might actually be just as good as cash because you're gonna have to go out and spend yep. that money on a person anyways to like fill that need. Um, or you could partner with somebody, like we've talked about this a number of times, like if you had a contract manufacturer that you knew could help you with some sourcing, with you know things to get your costs down that made up for what you know, they were going to get from an equity standpoint, then that makes sense. But like, you have to kind of go through those steps in your head to like, know what do you really need? And I think a lot of times people will default to like, just doing things uh, too quickly to get those things instead of like grinding and doing the work they need to do to actually like get to the point where like, there's no other option. It's like, as an entrepreneur, like your job title is every job within the business. You should be doing every single thing. And if there's a point where you, um, can no longer do something or it's detrimental for you to do it based around another thing, then you have to start looking at what do I need to do? Hire somebody? Do I need to find investment? Like, what is that to, to do that? But I think a lot of people, they, they move to that point way too quick. Mm -hmm. They, they haven't really gotten to the point where they have proven that they um, are at a breaking point, that there's no longer any more moves for them to make um, with their bootstrapped ways. Yeah. Uh, you brought good points there in terms of obviously you have the financial capital investment and you have the labor hours that are invested or in a, an area of expertise. And it's unique because like for a real world example, if you look at Fit Brothers right now, uh, we're kind of in, in both. It's, you know, we want to build this kitchen, but also to build this kitchen, it takes an influx of cash for the equipment. I could prevent it. So, you know, just to be fully transparent for everybody, like I have no problem putting up the cash. But then what that also does is it takes a bunch of cash out of the business in which you need for inventory and all these other things. So you're in a you're between a like you're scaling and you're growing so quickly and you need your own facility. So do you do I now take on an investor for cash that offers some areas of expertise that's going to allow us to get the equipment that we need to be able to fulfill the demand that we're seeing on the brand while not depleting the entire business of cash flow needed for inventory, labor, et cetera. So, you know, those are things that I've thought through. But on the flip side of that, in terms of labor, I have a kitchen manager who is, who's, who's brilliant. Knows, I mean, he's furloughed from the airport because obviously COVID's going on. So he needed something to do. He's been there. He's actually building the kitchen out for us. And he brings a skill set in which I do not have. Uh, I'll never will have, or neither will Danielle. And it's like, you know, at some point you can reward that person in, in two ways, right? Obviously you can give them a salary. You could also pay out a bonus or a distribution. But another way to Josh's point is maybe you gift them with some equity. And then what happens when you do that, when you gift somebody with equity, is then they take a sense of pride and ownership in the, what they're doing a little bit more too. So not only – it's no longer just a job to them. It's their business too. Granted, it may be a small piece of equity, but 
they then will take more honor in what they do. So you're going to potentially get even more and better work from that individual than you already were getting. So I think that's the thing, though. A lot of people, especially brands, have a hard time grasping the idea of giving up equity for labor. Like, I think, I feel like that's a hard thing for people to grasp because most people, especially like in our business or in industry, we're very selfish. Like we want it all to ourselves. You know, we don't want to give up anything. And, and to an extent you should be, you shouldn't want to give up equity in the business that you built, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's the right thing to do because at the end of the day, if you take on say, you know, a 10% equity, uh, you take on somebody for 10% equity and you sell that company down the road for millions of dollars, you're still going to make a lot of money on that 90%. You know, you, you have to think long-term as well. You have to think about how successful do you feel you're going to be? Like, do you believe in your business? So that's, that's a big question. Like, do you believe in your business? If, if you do, it shouldn't be a big deal um, to get the essential pieces in place that you need, um, you know, to help you build the, that business. Um, it's, but but I, I want to go back because we talked about how early on, like a lot of these companies in Shark Tank are on there early. One thing that you learn or that you should learn is that Business evaluations are fucked. I mean, they are just all across the board. You'll get different multiples of revenue, of profit. You'll get um, – sometimes you'll have, like, an assessor come in and do it. But, again, if you were, you know, six months in, three months in, just did a Kickstarter campaign, how can you, how can you realistically assess what your business is worth? And I think a lot of people will default to a multiple of whatever, um, and that's not fair either because it's, it's, I would, it's one of the hardest things to do is to assess your business in terms of worth unless you have longevity and then you have, a, a, you know, two, three years of books. And then, you know, the, they have specialists that all they do is they assess businesses full time. Like that's how complicated these can be. And, um, you know, I, I'm kind of you know, in your position. I'm thinking like what's the craziest um, what's the craziest assessment that you've ever that you've ever seen from I've heard brands say I'm worth like 100 million dollars, you know, and they've done maybe, you know, three million in sales or whatever. It's, it's comical. But like have you do you have any, any experience in which brand just throw a number and you just like laughed at it inside your head? Oh, I don't know. I've had, I've had some crazy, I mean, cause to your point, like the earlier the business, the harder it is to evaluate it. And that usually comes down to really like you as an, as an investor, like you have to trust the story. You have to trust the person. You have to trust the, like your gut a lot of times. Like that's why like early stage investors, um, you know, some of those like venture capitalists that, that do very early rounds, like a lot of it is they're just taking kind of shots, uh, you know, they, they, if they hit two or three out of 10, then they're making money. Like yeah. it's, you don't have to hit on every one of them. So they're really just trying to, um, bet on the entrepreneur or bet on the story, bet on, you know, whatever the, the, the trends or fundamentals of the, of the category is. And you just hope it's going to work out in some, um, stretch. But I think that, you know, I've seen some, I've seen some ones where I, I a lot of times the entrepreneur tends to have a much big bigger number in their head. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because they, it's their baby. They, you know, they believe yeah. it's worth, you know, so much money. Um, but you get, you know, some insane, it depends on the categories, but you get, you get some insane ones, um, out there and for consumer package goods, you tend not to get as many, uh, crazy numbers because they're, it is still very much a, a, a physical good. And that physical good needs to move through a distribution channel. And it's still like, it's still blocking and tackling regardless of, of what it is. So it's, you don't tend to get these like insane ones, but, um, yeah, it's super tough. And that's like the, the shark going back to the shark tank. A lot of those ones, um, they're not necessarily betting on the, the product or the brand or the business They're A lot of times they're betting on that person, like that, that person's going to get it done because it's so early. Like, you know, if they're, if they're doing 125 K in, in sales and, and they're asking for a $5 million 
dollar valuation, it's like, you know, if this really works out since it's so early, odds are um, this person could do 50 million or 100 million in revenue and I'm going to make my money at it. And, um, you know, it's OK. But like, is it worth it at that point? Probably not. But it just kind of depends on, you know, how do they believe in that person? And there is a difference, I think, uh, that we probably need to bring up is like a lot of times people, businesses look for money. Um, when they need it the most, like too late, like they, they are in a point that where the person on the other side of the table knows that they have the leverage because that person really needs it. Like they need that money because they can't pay payroll. They can't, you know, they can't fund a purchase order. They can't do those things at that point, that investor, regardless if they're a good person or not, they know you're in a vulnerable position and they can, uh, offer you something that's a lot lower than what maybe you deserve because you, uh, we're not properly planned from a financial perspective on your business. Like you should have saw that coming. You should have started to raise money a little bit earlier. So you were in a stronger position. Right. So that's like a big difference is like, do you really need it? Um, and you're at kind of that last case scenario, which you do see a lot of those on Shark Tank where like those people are like on their last uh, dollar, like they need this money for whatever reason. And usually they get taken advantage of um, yeah. because they know that. And then on the opposite side, you see some of these companies every once in a while you see them come in there that are have a really good growth story they have money in the bank they whatever and then people that like five of the sharks will fight after them because they know like this is a really well-run business they don't really need us they want us and we want them because they they want us and i think that that becomes like a environment where it works out pretty well and you have this competitive advantage uh, because you have a little bit of leverage it's still a matter of like the person on the other side has a lot more money and a lot more opportunity than you they don't have to say yes but they do want to say yes to the things that they're going to um, win on because that's legacy to them. That's bragging rights. So they're going to say yes to as many of the winners as they think they can. But you have to that's all kind of like put into the to the um, scenario where people, if you're a small business, large business, whatever, you need to look at like where you are from like a strength position. Like, are you on your last dollar or are you, you know, you got ten million dollars in the bank but you have some big aspiration going forward. Like you're going to go launch into Walmart and it'd be nice to have another 25 million on top of your 10 million in the bank because you want to fund, you know, some of the POs, you want to make sure all your risk is taken off the table, you know, whatever reason, like that's a much better position than saying I have $1 in the bank and I, w I need to raise 25 because I need 20 for my Walmart, uh, PO. Like, yep. you know, that's like, okay, Hey, you're not gonna be able to get this money anywhere else other than maybe some like short term, uh, debt uh, vehicle that's going to charge you a ton of interest to to fund your your accounts uh, your your orders. So it's like at this point, you know, you you're in a bad position. You know, and I think that people need to kind of like look forward through that. Like getting an investor is not something that gets a snap of the fingers and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, this is a great idea. Like this should be something you're thinking about for a while. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I. Uh... And I think you brought up a good point, too. It's like whether they're a good person or not. I think that's actually important as well when you bring on an investor. It's like, do, can you get along with the person? Right? I mean, can you have a, a conversation? Because an investor will, in theory, have a percent ownership, therefore a say in decision-making. And how is that laid out in the Articles of Incorporation or the operating agreement, I guess, is, is up to whoever writes it. But, um, you know, are you willing to bring on somebody with expertise but that you just can't get along with? I mean, that's that's a bit – you can't put a price on, on – friend or a price on this, like – a positive relationship because if it, if it is a toxic relationship that's not going to bear well for anybody involved in that so 
as you, as you start to listen to this podcast and you start to sort of you know digest what we talk about, there are a lot of things that you need to think about when it comes to bringing on an investor and then the type of investor. Um, and then I guess the big thing, Josh, is like, how do you get an investor? Like, Shark Tank's not available to everybody, you know? So it's like you, you mentioned the family and friends thing. You can go to your family and friends and try to scrape together money. But if you want a serious investor in which somebody is going to actually contribute to your business, not just money, but maybe a, a skill set or expertise, like, you have to search. Like, you have to do some work. I mean, occasionally, you know, you can sit back and people ask you. I mean, in, in my case, for instance, I've had multiple people ask, like, if we're looking for investors because they believe in the business model and what we're doing. But that doesn't happen to everybody. Um, you know, obviously, if you, you need, especially if you need a, a big influx of capital and you need a, a big check, not everybody has that lying around. So um, do you have any advice for listeners if they're looking like, yeah, I think we're ready to bring on an investor, but... I want to get like a portfolio of investors I can read through and read and learn about to see if one fits my needs and my and what I'm looking for. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you, you kind of stumbled on it. There's that difference between like searching uh, versus attracting, which I think searching uh, is something that anybody should be doing. It's kind of in a sense like networking. I mean, you, if you're dealing in consumer packaged goods, you should know maybe the top you know, 10 to 15 private equity or venture funds that that deal within your category that make a lot of deals and, and do your stuff. And you should be, you know, making that list, but also maybe making some connections, you know, adding them on LinkedIn, um, reaching out and saying, hey, I got this business. It's way too early right now. Um, I would just, you know, want to ask you some questions maybe in a couple of months when I feel like I'm at a point where it makes more sense. But you're like, you start to have that conversation. You start to build up a little bit of that network. Mm -hmm. These um, people like that, it's a little bit different when you're working with people that are investors is like a lot of times they are very willing to give up a little bit of time because it's this idea of like deal flow. Like mm -hmm. if you know where the deals are at and who's interested and who has money available, like being a part of that and knowing that is also like some equity within the community. Like if you have really strong deal flow, that's like, you know, uh, what's your bench press? Like that's kind of like the, that's, that's like the thing. So like a lot of those guys will give up time for you because they want to know what's happening in their world. They want to know who the hottest new brands are, the ones that maybe aren't showing up on the Nielsen reports yet or whatever. Like those are the people that are eventually going to be uh, looking for an investment and you want to be the first person they look at. So if you give them the time of day when it's a little bit too early, they're going to be super interested to give you the first look at it when it's at that point. So I think there's like making that list, you know, networking, doing that, doing the searching part. I think that's very important, but there's also like the attraction part. I think that something that you do well. And I think a lot of other businesses should be doing is documenting the process. Like, you know, Hey, we're landing this business. Here's how our facings look. Here's our velocities. Here's the problem we dealt with and here's how we fixed it. Here's, you know, whatever. And you're basically creating a chronological, um, just story uh, of your business. And I think that that eventually brings people in and attracts it to them. Yeah. And it might not be the person, like you said, a couple of people have already asked you, those might not be the people you want to invest because it's so like, I mean, if they're already hitting you up so early, it's like, I don't know, but it might be that person's friend or that person's connection in there that eventually then follows you. That's six, 10, you know, 20 months down the line, that's like perfect for you. Right. But if you're not actually putting that out there and attracting people in, you're not getting any of those people at all. You're only pushing instead of pulling. And I think that that's important that, that you should have that push and pull, you know, even all strategies in your business, but like you can't just be hidden behind uh, closed doors. Nobody knows what you're doing because if nobody knows what you're doing. How are they ever going to uh, get in contact with you and know that you have this great business that's worth anything? It's going to be until you hit, 
you know, $50 million and you're sitting on a Nielsen report in, at space 78, um, you know, at that point, then people know who you are, but it's like right now you should get people into your system early on and get them bought into what you're doing and seeing those messaging. So, it, you know, you just kind of stumbled on it, but it's kind of that attacking it in both ways. And it's never, I want to say it's never too early to have conversations. Yeah. Um, I would say it's definitely, you know, you don't want to go too early on an investment, but like having, you know, what they say, go have coffee, but like at this point, go have a zoom meeting with, you know, somebody and just kind of talk shop. Don't necessarily try to like full court press them with your business, but just like mm -hmm. share ideas, get them to know you, you know them, you could kind of tell them what's going on. More than likely they're going to say, Hey man, you're way too early, but at least you got that conversation started where like it builds six months from now or 12 months from now where like now you've tripled your business and you're like, Hey, now I got something I think is worth a little bit of your time to look at. Right. What do you think? You don't have to like start at square one. You're already on, you know, step three or four, and, it, and it's kind of already speeding up that process. So I think it's, um, we've talked about it so many times. It's, it's, you know, it's networking. It's getting out there. It's doing that stuff. It's, it's putting in the time, not only in your product, but also like with your business as a, as a leader, as a, as an entrepreneur, actually the face of a, of a company, you know, the, the namesake of a company. You have to put that time in. If not, um, nobody's going to know what you're doing, and, and that's going to put you in a, in a very bad position when you do need to come out and um, raise some capital because you're going to be fighting against uh, a story that nobody knows. You got to tell that story from day one instead of you. People are going to know a little bit about what you're doing already. I mean, that's it. That, that's an also thing, too. It's like there's a strategy behind everything that you do for sure. And, and showing people and pulling back the curtains like there's not a lot of questions to be asked at that point. There, there is. But like at least you've been fully transparent from from the get-go so um you know obviously i want to wrap this podcast up with any sort of uh, real world examples josh that you have in which you know there was an investment opportunity that maybe you worked on um that didn't work and, and what was and if not that's fine but if, if there was i know you've been at some different companies um you know within this space outside this space but was there ever a time that there was an investment of an equity stake or somebody brought on the brand that didn't work and, and what was the reason why it didn't work well, I'll dance around this question a little bit because most of this stuff is usually under NDAs. But what I'll say is that um, more times than not, what I've found is that a owner or the person that's looking to invest in the business um, does not understand the life cycle of the category in which they're dealing with properly enough. So they invest too late in the game at that point they're investing at almost the top. Um, and at that point it's already kind of, um, not, it's not going to keep growing at that point. It's pretty much has a year or two or left of growth and then, and then it's going to kind of just settle in. Um, and it's hard then to extract a lot of value. And I don't need to say names, but I mean, be it our, our space or just consumer packaged goods, uh, people could pick those out left and right. That's usually the, the biggest issue with, um, our space of, of consumer packaged goods of investing is that you tend to um, get those investors that buy it, be it a strategic or be it a private equity firm that buys a company way too late. And then at that point, they didn't realize that that, that company was on their, their last leg, I guess, in terms of like hype, uh, excitement in the market. The product uh, was changing guard and it was going to be a new cool product next that was going to take the top spot. And then at that point, they're never going to be able to make their money back in the investment. And it's just too late. And it's just a bad bet on the timing. So it's a lot of times around timing. I haven't really seen too much like cultural wise or, or, or things like that uh, because I'm usually not like in the investment past the point of that transaction. So I don't, I'm sure there's some things that don't work out that well, but mm -hmm. usually it's around, you know, the, the price and the, and the life cycle of that business and what is realistically what they're going to get out of that long term.
If you guys like what you heard here on the podcast, hit that subscribe button. Follow along on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Jay Shaw Consulting on all channels, and uh, we're at Fitness Informer the Fiddlers, depending on where you want to get the information from. But I think this is an interesting topic that um, I think will be very, very uh, interesting as we come out of this pandemic too, and, and figure out like are brands struggling? Are they looking for to bring on an equity partner because they just need the cash flow and I don't know if that's the right decision or the wrong decision, to be honest with you. Like, I, to your point, Josh, like, I think these brand owners, it's their baby. They, they want to hang on to it. But quite honestly, I think if you're listening and you're one of those brand owners who are struggling and you think that you need to bring on cash flow um, through an equity stake or through an investor, you need to really take a hard look in the mirror and say, like, is that what, is that what you need to do? Like, is this business even sustainable anymore? Or um, do you just put it out of its misery and move on? So, I mean, it sounds yeah. terrible, but it's something you need to consider. Yeah, I've, I made a post um, recently on my, I think it was Instagram, um, but it was just kind of an off-the-cuff statement that's saying, like, these last probably three to four weeks of, of um, I fielded more calls from private equity firms and venture funds uh, around uh, trying to get some insights on on certain particular um, subsections of, of the consumer packaged goods industry, um, and this is not even um, just them, but it's, it's kind of all categories that there's blood that's starting to be in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and these companies that are, have a lot of money on their balance sheets, uh, because everybody raised capital in the last year, things were going really well. So a lot of money, there's a lot of funds that have a lot of money that are sitting on their books. I think I saw somewhere around a trillion dollars on private equities mm-hmm. books right now. Mm-hmm. So like that money's just sitting there. Um, and you think about companies that used to be worth 30 or 40 or 50% more pre COVID and now they're worth less, but they still have a really good foundation. They're going to gobble those things up left and right. So it's going to be an interesting time when this all kind of comes to fruition instead of the, you know, this uncertainty with COVID-19. When, when things start to look a little bit more clear, we're going to start to see a lot of press releases yeah. uh, for, for investments or, or um, you know, companies getting acquired and, and merged. Then you can call Josh Shaw. He is hourly rate now has actually increased since the pandemic. Um, again, I put all his socials out there. But until next time, guys and girls, thanks a lot. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we will speak to you soon. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.